Join us September 30th through October 2nd for the 26th annual Zero Mental Health Symposium. The topic of this year's symposium couldn't be more timely as we look at healing from historical trauma. This is the first year we are hosting the event virtually, and the best part is the cost to attend is reduced, and full conference registration is only $180. Also, there are discounts available to students and groups. Learn more about the symposium and register today at zerosymposium.org. Evil things are being done to us and around us, but we're still here and we're still fighting. Historically, music has always been those kind of roles, in, particularly in, in wartime, but it takes on a much more, I believe, intense meaning when it, when it comes to people who know that, that every moment death is around the corner for them. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. On today's episode, our guests are Drew Diamond, Executive Director of the Jewish Federation of Tulsa, and Nancy Pettis, the Jewish Federation of Tulsa's Director of Holocaust Education. The Jewish Federation of Tulsa is dedicated to the promotion and advancement of Jewish educational, cultural, social, philanthropic, and religious interests, and to raise and distribute funds to the accomplishment of such ends. You can learn more at jewishtulsa.org. We invited Drew and Nancy to be on the show today because they will be featured at the Zero Mental Health Symposium during their session, Holocaust Music, Playing for Our Lives. And you can see that session along with many others, including our keynote sessions, by registering today for the virtual Zero Mental Health Symposium at zerosymposium.org. Drew and Nancy's presentation will examine the power of music to soothe, console, and heal during the most desperate of times. Music was woven into the fabric of the Holocaust. Many victims of the Nazis' viciousness clung to music as a lifeline for their humanity. The story of music in the ghettos and concentration camps is the story of a people's capacity to endure the most horrific of circumstances. Drew and Nancy, we're so glad that you're here today and... We'll start with my first question, which is for Nancy. Can you tell us about the side of Holocaust music that had healing powers? If any of you have ever seen the movie The Pianist, Spillman was a pianist, a very very famous pianist in the Warsaw Ghetto. And I am almost positive that if he had not had music to look forward to, He lived each day so he could play music. I don't think he probably would have survived. The hope of the partisan groups and the ghetto singers that sang because they were starving, get their minds off of what was going on in their lives. And there's also definitely resistance. The partisans and swing kids, that was another organization we'll talk about in the presentation. And also the workers who were marched to their work site, listening to the beat, the lively beat of an orchestra that was gathered in the camps. And these emaciated bodies were having to march in step to the place where they would spend the entire day working. So that's, that's kind of a little bit of an overview of what we'll be covering in our presentation. Now, can you talk about the destructive powers of music during that same period? You can start with the music that the Nazis used for propaganda and brainwashing, you know, well into the lead up of, you know, 
of the war and then certainly throughout throughout the war they the, the music was also used in terms of concealing oppression you know i mean one of the terrible examples is they you know they played hitler's favorite composer wagner they played that during times when people were being executed uh, the you know they used the same music in recruiting Hitler youth. So you have this mixture of music being used in both the destructive and abusive way. They, it was also used as a diversionary tactic to make people think that something else was going on that wasn't so horrible, while in fact, you know, while people were being unloaded at, from transports at the concentration camps. It was early on in the, in the, in the war, they used music and, and camp orchestras that they organized to, to show the Red Cross that, that these camps really weren't bad places. You know, it's, it, it's that kind of deception that, that the, the use of music played a role. Yeah. Well, thank you both for explaining those those two sides of the music. Now, Nancy, can you pick one song that you'll feature during your presentation or that you'll talk about and tell us about it and why it resonates so much with you? I think probably my, I don't know if I would call it my favorite song, but I think the most powerful song that we have included in our presentation is the Partisan song. First, because of the strength and the unity that it created among the Jewish partisans who lived in the forest and who resisted Nazi oppression. When people hear this song during our presentation, many of them will recognize it because it is played in many, many instances when they are commemorating the Holocaust. Yeah. And where can someone listen to that online? Uh, they just have to look, look up Partisan's song, and it, they would not have a problem finding yeah, it. It'll, it'll come up, yeah. Just Google Partisan songs, yeah. And Drew, what do you love about or what do you, what do you appreciate about that song, the Partisan song? Well, for me, you know, it, it is about it, it. It is about showing that the, the spirit of people and through their music that that helps them survive horrible situations day to day, and the idea of resistance, the idea of saying, you know, you all these evil things are being done to us and around us, but we're still here and we're still fighting. Historically, music has always been those kind of roles in, particularly in, in wartime, but it takes on a much more, I believe, intense meaning when, when it comes to people who know that, that every moment death is around the corner for them. Yeah. So as you both know, the theme of this year's Zero Mental Health Symposium is healing from historical trauma. Drew, just tell me what healing from historical trauma in relation to the Holocaust means to you. Well, healing um, in relation to the Holocaust, and particularly as we're now nearing, sadly, nearing the end of actual Holocaust survivors, you know, in our world, healing means different things to different people. I would tell you that you'd be hard pressed to find Holocaust survivors or, or any, anybody dealing with the Holocaust who will listen to Wagner, you know, just because of the connotations that it was, you know, it was 
Hitler's go-to composer. They find healing in other musics. There were actually music that was written in the ghetto and in, in, and in the camps, written on on anything they could find to, with with charcoal or anything else. Some sometimes on toilet uh, toilet papers and other things. Some of that actually survived the war, and some of that music has been has been uh, played and, and and composed and stuff and. And that allow that those are the kind of things that allow people to think that you know that there is that there is a future, there is healing power, there is a sense of 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 continuity coming out of out of horrific situations. Yeah, Nancy, how about you? What does healing from historical trauma mean well, to you? I think that I think music gave people the will to live. And it gave them comfort, it gave them courage and strength during the very, very darkest times in their life. There are so many examples that I've, that I've run into during my research. Women would sing in the camps. They would sing songs about their mothers, about their families. People who were going into the gas chambers would sing prayers, knowing that they were not going to a really good place, that their, their, their prayer would become a song, which I'm sure in some fashion probably comforted them. And I still feel that the power that music has to give people comfort, courage, and strength is, is still as true today as it was back during the Holocaust. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So when, when you both present this session at the Zero Symposium, what lessons do you hope will stay with them from your session? Uh, I just, I have always been a believer in education and I think it's the key to our quest that we should have to know, to understand and to respect others. And I, I absolutely know from my 30 years of experience that Holocaust education is a very important tool in achieving this goal. And I hope they leave with this knowledge that just keep learning, keep experiencing, keep keep making attempts to know the other, the people that we consider the other. And the more you know them, the more you understand them and then the more you can respect them. Yeah. Drew, how about you? Yeah. I I would only add that, that lessons of the Holocaust are important in terms of not repeating horrors. You know, since, since the second world war, we sadly, we have, we have, Repeated horrors, uh, not not nearly on the scale uh, of the of the Holocaust, but the sense of, of these things are that we want people to come away with the idea that that a you understand the dynamics a little bit about the dynamics of of the Holocaust and the application, particularly application of the human spirit and and, and how music plays a role. In, in our, our quest to make sure that everybody's human rights and their dignity is protected. 
tell me, you know, how can people, if they're interested in, in getting more involved with the Jewish Federation of Tulsa, you know, we mentioned the the website, jewishtulsa.org, but how else can they get involved? What are maybe some of the events that may be coming up? Just, I want to give you this opportunity to, to tell us about your amazing organization. Well, one of our biggest events is the opening of our new Holocaust Center, and that will open to the public on November, the first first week in November, and the date is changing we, a little bit. We yeah, have, we could, we could, yeah, COVID has is, is changed a little bit. Of that it is the Sanditon Kaiser Holocaust Center. You know, our museum here, the the Sherwin Miller Museum of Jewish Art, has always had a, 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 a an excellent Holocaust gallery and exhibit. Uh, you know, over the years, I mean, we, we for example, under the Any Given Child program, we. Every eighth grader in the city comes through our through our museum and in, in, in the Holocaust Center. So the reopening and you know we've reimagined and updated the technology in this world of, of the for the new Sanditon Kaiser Center. But if you go online, the Sherwin Miller Museum of Jewish Art to their website or to the uh, or to the uh, Federation website, uh, you can a- access the updates and, and, and the news about those things. The museum is open with, uh, you know, with our COVID restrictions daily. We're open daily. The other thing is for the Jewish Federation is we continue to do our, 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 our community work, our, our community garden, uh, and and we continue to look for volunteers uh, in our social services work, uh, in our community work. Feel free to, to call us at, uh, you know, at uh, 918-495-1100. Just ask for me, you know, I'm here and, uh, you know, we, we really like to engage people. The other part that of our, of our federation is the, is the Charles Schusterman Jewish Community Center, which is open to all. Our fitness center, again with re, with COVID restrictions, is open, uh, our, uh, and we certainly welcome members, uh, you know, to to come uh, to join us and, and 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 enjoy our fitness center. All right. So as we end our discussion, Nancy and Drew, thank you so much for being here with us. I'm really, honestly, I can't wait to be a part of your Zero session and, and to experience that and to learn more and to hear you guys explain this in such um, a beautiful way as you've as you've done here. So the last thing I, I we do here is we have a tradition where we ask our guests to share one last bit of wisdom. Well, I think I'll, I'll add a little bit too, and thank you for thinking we ha- I have some wisdom. But I will say this, you know, as Nancy said about education and history and, and where we are today in this current climate, the protection of, of everybody's human rights and their civil rights and their dignity is, is paramount. And we, are, we, we struggle with that in our community and, and nationally and worldwide every single day. And anything we can add to all of us joining together uh, to that end is, is what I believe we should all be doing. 